Yeah, can I get a level check from you real quick? What'd you have for breakfast, Dave? Uh, what did I have for breakfast? I had breakfast with friends, so I actually had some bacon. Is that a new Zynga game? <laughs> breakfast with friends? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Grumpy Old Geeks, a weekly talk show hosted by Brian Schulmeister and Jason DeFilippo discussing the finer points of what went wrong on the internet and who's to blame. The following content contains graphic, explicit, and vulgar language. And with that out of the way, welcome to Grumpy Old Geeks 172. I'm Jason DeFilippo here with... Brian Schulmeister. What up, Brian? Morning. Morning. Yes. I have thunderstorms happening, so if you hear big rumbling noises, it is not my tummy. And uh, okay. if you hear the, the fire department uh, sirens, it's not the coppers coming to get me. Okay. Well, I have a I have a client that used to have a, a uh, have people that use click farms for for them. And uh, if you hear me grumbling, it's because I'm continuing to get texts from somebody that doesn't understand anything. Okay. Um. So so that's just a client. I thought. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Uh, the click farm thing is new to me. I've never worked with somebody who actually had employed one in the past. Well, they didn't even know they were employing them. They employed somebody who employed them. So now they're wondering why. Uh, engagement is down, and then I went through it and found out all engagement was coming from Turkey. Dope, dope. And oh, I, no, and I bet that would have even dropped off thanks to the coup. So, oh yeah, I'll mention that as well. Not that they'll understand. Yeah. Anyways, good times. <laughs> Say all all of your clickers are now dead, yes, or, or in custody. All, all your clickers are in custody. Yes. So uh, up to speed has been back this week. I've done four straight episodes. Woohoo! Congratulations, Jason. I'm I'm very proud of you. For doing uh, that. Thank you. That's a lot of work. I forgot how much work we used to put into that, like together. And now it's solo. <laughs> I remember, which is why I'm currently not back doing it yet. We'll see someday. Hopefully, maybe. Yeah, I get up at six, and I think I record the show at ten, and that's still with getting at getting stuff together the previous day. So, I, I I'm going to tell you, man. Like going through all these articles. Yes. There's almost not a single article in the thousands I go through every week that does not have a typo. It's ridiculous. Uh, yeah. Well, there's no editors, and apparently people have forgotten how to use uh, grammar and spell checks. And, and the really annoying part is for every single article I read, I have five duplicates that come through from every other tech blog that covers the same goddamn thing. Yeah. The tech journalism is uh, probably even worse than regular journalism. Oh, it's so bad. It's just copy and paste. It's like, okay, one guy's got a story. Let's Let's just take that and run with it. Well, you know, you you and I have been doing this for three years now. We we know the state of the tech journalism. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but we still need them because that's how we have a show. <laughs> that's true. It's not like we're going to go out and go interview people. Oh hell no! Ain't nobody <laughs> got time for that. <laughs> it's not like we're getting really paid for it. So, uh, but speaking of getting paid, uh, there's going to be yes. a bunch of changes at uh, here at Grumpy Old Geek starting in two weeks. And for those people who really hate the uh, intro and outro ads and the canned rolls in the middle, uh, those will be going away. So you can stop sending us one star reviews unless you're talking about our politics, which then you can because those are funny. True. Yeah, we don't mind those at all. Yeah, we're going to make some changes. We gave something to go. Didn't really work out. So we'll try something new now. Yep. Um, and speaking of giving something to go, how's that taking an app a day off your phone going? I'm continuing, and uh, even though it doesn't really affect my day-to-day -day life, my phone's a lot cleaner looking. Oh, isn't that special? And I haven't missed a single thing. There has not been a single case of, oh, I wish I wouldn't have deleted that. Well, there you go. That's why you, <laughs> that's why you get rid of them. Yep, so uh, I'm still doing it. So a little follow-up on the uh, Walt Mossberg piece last week about that, that started this whole thing. Yeah. Uh, VentureBeat has an article that says, studies show only five uh, app People only use five apps on their smartphones. That's it. Let me it. guess. Uh, Facebook? Uh, messages, 
Um, maybe something like a, a face Snapchat, WhatsApp, Snapchat, WhatsApp, the socials. Yeah, generally. Yeah. OK. Um, now, in contrast to that, <laughs> another study came out saying that the App Store will reach five million apps by 2020 with games leading the way. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, people do. People love their games. So everybody will download a game, play it for a while and eventually get sick of it and nuke it. Um, yeah, but uh, it's it's kind of heartening to realize that people are actually using phones for what they're meant to be used for communication. Uh, well, don't go that far. <laughs> <laughs> they're, still, right, they're, still, they're still, yeah, messaging and Snapchatting <laughs> and WhatsApping. And well, that, that's I consider that under the rubric of communication. Yes, they're just not actually talking to many people. Well, that's fine. I don't like talking on the phone anyways. Yeah, who does? Well, I know vinyl buyers don't. Oh, no, they don't. A little article I found just uh, for someone special out there in the audience. (laughs) Uh, Vinyl buyers are lonely, middle-aged introverts, according to a new study. Yeah, I mean this is a very funny funny piece. It doesn't it doesn't actually refer to the person that you're you're talking about, but since he is married, not an introvert and has hundreds of friends, so he's, I know, he's I the outlier. I had to throw it in for fun. He is the outlier. It is and pretty speaking funny. of which, I, I do need to just pimp my collection again because I'm still trying to get rid of it. If you are interested in your lonely middle-aged introvert and love vinyl, please buy mine. Link in the show notes. Okay. And speaking of vinyl, if you're on the other end and you want to buy some <laughs> new vinyl, the uh, Twin Peaks soundtrack has been released on vinyl. I love the Twin Peaks soundtrack. So are you going to go buy it on vinyl? No, I'm just going to listen to it digitally like I do all things because okay. I, I am not a middle-aged. Well, I am middle-aged. I'm, I'm kind of an introvert, but I'm not lonely. No, you're married and soon to have a bigger family. Exactly. Uh, you were a big fan of Blue Apron for a while, I believe. Still am. Still am. Just not doing it during the summer because if I'm not here, it is. I, to give you some context, last night when I was coming home from uh, said vinyl owner's house, mm-hmm. <laughs> I walked out of his house at like 930 at night and it was 86 degrees. Um, so when you're when you're buying food for delivery and maybe you don't notice it out on the porch for a while, it can melt. So I'm yeah. I'm waiting till the the weather changes because in California I got my deliveries right, like really early in the morning on time could bring mm-hmm. them in everything was frozen perfectly here I did two deliveries and the uh, they let's just say they were a little bit mushy <laughs> so, a little mushy yeah and okay. when you're talking about shrimp and salmon I don't like those a little bit mushy yeah that's pretty gross uh, reason I brought this up is Business Insider did a comparison uh, between plated Blue Apron and Hello Fresh because those are the kind of three big ones that go everywhere. Uh, Blue Apron definitely came out on top with the caveat that if you happen to be a vegetarian, you're probably better served by Hello Fresh because they have their own plans just for vegetarians. You can still make almost a full set on. They have vegetarian options on Blue Apron. You can the point, get. Uh, you did not read the article. The point being, it is cheaper. They uh, lower yes. the price. I on, did, and I, I did read the article. So, I so thank you very much. I did read it. Um, but yes, I still think Blue Apron has the. I I think I tried plated and it, I didn't care for it. Uh, Blue Apron has the best ingredients. The one the one complaint that they had is one complaint that I also have, which mm-hmm. is they should actually put what meal the ingredient goes with on the label. That would make it so much easier. I suppose if you have a bunch of them sitting around, that would definitely make sense. I did try Blue Apron once. I enjoyed it. I thought it was uh, very tasty. It was very kind of fun to do. But uh, I, you know, I'm still old school. I'll just go shop for myself. See, I still think it's cost effective to do it that way, to have a really high quality meal for under 10 bucks. And especially right. if for me, I'm single. So I get two meals, you know, and uh, I get good leftovers. The other thing about Blue Apron is their portion size is so big. I get three meals out of it because I can't finish an entire portion that they give you. Right. 
I think it's cool. I, I, I am definitely down with Blue Apron. So uh, well, by all accounts, Blue Apron is the one to go with. And hopefully that'll be one of the ads that we'll be live reading in the future. In the future. Yes. <laughs> uh, speaking of weird ass things, how's your MZ account going, Jason? Uh, I don't know. I haven't actually logged into it. They did send me the free shirt. It's on its way that I got for signing people like you up. <laughs> I got five friends to sign up. <laughs> I'm sure they're thrilled with that since I crapped on them on Twitter. And the funny part about it is I, I had five friends sign up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my channel only has three followers. So, hmm, jerks. You know, I, I sent out five invitations to to people that actually, because I posted and I said, I've got some if you want to take a look at this. And five people said, yeah, and I sent them all out and only one of them signed up. Yeah, that's how it goes. Yep. That's that's how it goes, right? Right, Hello? Yep. How's that going, Hello? MZ, Hello? Hello? But don't forget, Hello? That's I the new one. Hello. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, yeah, this is Hello is the one from the some Facebook guys. Who are trying to do a mobile only, you know, just another mobile only social network, and didn't work out for Path. They they're pretty much you know gone the way of the dinosaur now. Hello will be following them. It's going to be you know Hello Path, Hello and MZ just sitting in a tree. I don't think people quite understand that the market is saturated. We yeah. have a clear winner. Nothing is going to come along unless it's something drastically different, as we've talked about before. They're trying to do something different, but it's not drastically, like you said, yes. And also, I think people yeah. have, they've got social burnout. I know a lot yeah. of people who are just, they're, they're done with Facebook. They still have their accounts, but they never sign in anymore. Yeah, well, I mean, it's part of, of my process of getting rid of apps. I've gotten rid of things like the a bunch of the old social stuff that's still kicking around that nobody cares about. I nuked Snapchat from my phone. I got rid of Vine. Uh, I got rid of Periscope. I never use these things. I'm burnt out. I've got enough to keep up with. Mm-hmm. So bye-bye. There's only one person on my feed that's using Periscope, and that's Scott Adams, the guy mm-hmm. that did Dilbert. Yeah. And I can't even look at his Periscopes because they're so creepy. It's like I, every <laughs> time I, I scroll through, I just see his giant head and just like, you know, sh- shot uh, from below. I'm he's, so glad you said the head. Yeah. He, and he's not, a, he's not an attractive man. Uh, he's ripped, though. I give him credit for that. That guy's buff. But, man, he's definitely not a good-looking guy from uh, on the Periscope. <laughs> so, yeah. I, you know, I can't, I can't do that. Yeah. Uh, I assume you saw John Oliver last week. Absolutely. So he went on his uh, typically brilliant rant this time on journalism and the state of it, which we've talked about a gazillion times. And I just want to state for the record, I'm very proud of ourselves for this one, Jason. We beat John Oliver to crapping on Tronk. Oh, we beat him by like a month. June 6, 2016, we did Trunk in the Trunk. Nice. So two months. We, we kicked yeah. his ass. Exactly. Right. <laughs> so there was a lot of feedback from the, <laughs> the journalist crowd. Some of it great, some of it not so great. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the paper owners were definitely not very happy with his approach and uh, saying, you didn't really tell us how to fix it. Well, that's your job, dude. <laughs> Yeah, you're you're supposed to be the you know, the experts, but the problem is, of course, just like anything else, uh, these are businessmen. These are not journalists running these things, and they are treating it like a business. And uh, to some degree, it is, but there should be some civic responsibility here. Well, it is a business. I mean, you got to make money to pay the journalists, so you need you need all you need all cylinders firing. But yep. And if somebody figures out how to do that, please tell the music industry. <laughs> nah, they're dead. Forget it. <laughs> it's over. Oh man. Yeah. Uh, keys to happiness. Let's end this on, let's end the segment on a high note. Uh, according to a decades long study over 75 years by Harvard, you do not get health and happiness from wealth and fame or hard work. The mirages that many Americans chase after said they come from something a little more attainable, a simpler life as you were good, strong relationships with family, friends, colleagues, and folks in your community. That is what makes you happy. Not all the shit that we keep trying to do. 
<laughs> well, you know, I, I got to tell you, I'm I'm happier than I've been in a long time, and I have a very simple life. I do still work hard, but yeah. uh, I have uh, I have I'm comfortable. I know pretty much everybody on my street now. I hang out with my friends and my dog, and that's about it. It's fine. It's actually yeah. not so bad. Trying to just yeah. you know just getting along, but uh, still, you still have to pay the rent and work your ass off sometimes. But it's not like not working for the big paycheck. You know, it's just like ah, yeah. I, I wake up, I do my job. I have four jobs, but that's fine. I like all four of them. It's not too bad. Right. I, you know, can't complain about that. I podcast for a living. Like Jesus, talk about lucky. So can't really <laughs> yeah. complain right now. Well, for the first time in a long that. time. For the first time in a long time. A little downside to, to that previous study, though. Another study led by researchers from MIT has analyzed friendship ties and basically finds out that only half of your friends actually like you. Well, then they're not really friends. <laughs> kind of, uh, if, they, if somebody doesn't like you they're not your friend yeah it's a little bit this is a long form read and i highly suggest you go do it because it delves into deeper questions such as what is a friend what do we really think a friend is what a friend should really be uh turns out that about only about half of our relationships with so-called friends are actually mutual uh the other person is just kind of meh about us even okay. though we like them and call them a friend yeah, I just think that, I mean, this is all circles around the definition of friends. So I'll, de I'll definitely give this one a read. But I thought you said we we're going to end this on a high note. I Well, that is high for me. <laughs> that half your friends don't like you? Yeah. Because you figured it was more? I figured it was way more than that. In the news. Now, Brian, you always make fun of me for installing beta software. Well, no. Yeah, uh, sort of. But then you stop for a long time. But now you're back again. It's more the the flip floppy thing. Mm. This is because I the public beta is out, and I didn't. I never could sign up for the public beta program before because I was a developer before. And right. when I stopped being a developer, I stopped really kind of caring for a long time. And then <laughs> I was reading some of the stuff today, or not today, this week, on how this is an extremely stable beta and it's much faster. But I also mm. had a, an ulterior motive is because my iPhone six plus wasn't working right. The keyboard right. kept stopping all the time. So I'm like, hey, maybe I'll try it and see if it fixes the issue. Cool. Lo and behold, it has. It does. <laughs> yeah. So the there was something in the software that was running in uh, iOS 9 on my 6 Plus that was making the keyboard just intermittently stop working and I have to turn it off, turn it back on. I'm running iOS 10 now and the problem has not really come back. So excellent. I am I am back on my 6 Plus, which oh my God, it's so much nicer <laughs> than the 5S. Uh, but you know I love I love iOS 10. It's great. It's fast. It's very snappy. Excellent. When is the real real release? In about three weeks. Three, three weeks, weeks. Four weeks. Okay. I yeah. Can wait. Se September seventh is the uh, is the launch day for it. So uh, that's when the press releases for the phones. And usually it comes out like maybe a couple days after. So. All right. I'm perfectly happy to wait for the, the real real release. That's totally yeah, fine for, by me. But for most people, you don't have to do it. I installed it on my iPad Pro and my uh, all my iPhones just to so I, I had parity between them, and awesome. it works great. I, I got no complaints, and it's you know it's it, with the beta program, it's actually really easy. It's easier than doing it through the developer program. So I'm sure that makes sense. It took yeah, it took me just like it took about 20 minutes to do the backup, archive the backup, and then just load the software because you had a bunch of reboots in there, but. All in all, it was a really painless process. Way easier than doing it with the with the IPSWs or whatever that you have to download and then run all this stuff through iTunes. This was much easier. So if you ever awesome. want to give it a shot, try it. I'm not doing Sierra. 
for sure because I run too much audio stuff. Yeah. And the Mac OS and upgrades are notoriously toxic to audio <laughs> software. Yes, since, they are. Since audio software is how I make my living, I think I'll I think I'll hold back on that one. Probably a really good idea. Uh, feel free to text me the new water gun emoji, though, when you get a chance. Oh, sure. I'll send it over. I don't think Excellent. you can see it until you get iOS 10, though. Oh, yeah. That's because remember, it is just a standard and it's going to send you an ISO code. That's right. So I'll just get the old gun. Yep. Cool. Uh, so we are also apparently getting new MacBook Pros shortly. And see, they are this, making this, this is a rumor. It's not been confirmed by anybody. We've got it, screenshots of every single IO your iPhone seven out there, but there's no leaked shots of any Macintoshes that are coming out. So no, it is all just rumors, but what they are going to do makes a lot of sense if it's true, which is basically we're going to get a touch panel. Yeah. Just a partial touch panel, just on the partial top. touch panel on the top, which will, uh, basically give us another failure point for all of our Macs and supposedly, you know, change its appearance based on context and what app you're using. Apple care. People always get Apple care. <laughs> <laughs> Probably a good idea, especially if you're going to be one of the first pioneers getting one of these when they come out, but it will be cool if they do. I, I like the, the fact that they're start, you know, really starting to merge the, the, you know, mobile technologies with the old school, well, not desktops, but laptops. It's about time. I mean, it's been so long since they've revved these things and it's getting to the point of like, just, it's ludicrous that these things yeah. haven't been revved that much and the prices stayed the same. Yeah, and you I'm know. not surprised at all that this is happening now because I just bought one. Yeah, no, that's the way it goes. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly um, the way it goes. So. Yeah, and you know, honestly, at this point, my my 2013 or 2012 MacBook Pro that I got, like top of the line, mm -hmm. works great. <laughs> it works absolutely <laughs> great. There's no reason for me to upgrade. So yeah. I'm I'm sticking with it for now. Um, I've got no no reason. The one thing that I did check out last night that really kind of bummed me out is I've got these really crappy LG monitors, these little 24 inch monitors mm -hmm. that fade in and out all the time. It's just like they can't they can't keep the same uh, lumosity or whatever on it. <laughs> and um, I went to go look for an Apple display because Apple displays are the cream of the crop. They've always been the best. That's true. Discontinued. Oh, you yep. cannot get an Apple display anymore. The Thunderbolt displays are beautiful and you can't buy them anymore. The rumor is they're working on 5Ks, but who knows? So yeah. maybe maybe we'll be getting a huge round of Macs coming soon. The 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 rumor mill says that nothing's coming at the IO the iPhone event, so it won't probably be till October. That's a drag. It is. It is. I know a lot of people who are waiting to get to actually move from the PC to Mac and are waiting and are just stuck right now. So what you going to yep, do? Gotcha. What you going to do? Uh, found a new site that I kind of, I'm kind of digging. It's ProPublica, Journalism in the Public Interest. And they had an article that's right up our alley. Looks can kill the deadly results of flawed design. We complain a lot about poorly designed products and UI. Trent Reznor, are you listening? <laughs> now, iTunes crappy design isn't going to kill you, just your music collection. It'll that's just kill your soul. Yeah, it just kills your soul. Uh, this gets this is another really long form article, but I think it's highly worth the read for everybody. If you're listening to this podcast, it will be of interest to you. It starts with unfortunate demise and uh, the accidental death of Anton Yelchin, who plays Chekhov in the new Star Trek, when his uh, car rolled over him, and then they go into why the design in that particular car for the shifter is crap. 
that mm-hmm. horrible design. And it doesn't make sense and it's not intuitive and it's hard to tell where you're at in terms of the whole process of shifting. Um, I've experienced this myself with just a number of uh, different things. I, I've gotten a new car recently and everything is computerized now and it doesn't feel like a car anymore. So it's kind of unintuitive to know what exactly the hell it is you're doing at any point in time. What, what kind of car did um, you get? I got a BMW X3. Oh, Okay, fancy pants. It is very nice, but uh, it is, it's almost more of a computer than a car. I know it's been a while since I've gotten a new car, but I hadn't quite realized the quantum leaps that have taken place in terms of buttons replacing absolutely everything. <laughs> so, see, I got, I got a new car too. We got kind of the same type of car, but you got like Mr. Moneybag's car, and I got, I got the, uh, the popper version of the Ford. <laughs> well, I got the uh, new life coming into the world that better be protected. Version. Yeah, I got the same thing, but she's got <laughs> paws and not, you know. Right. Yes. <laughs> anyway, um, mine is has pretty. It's pretty low tech. I still have to use a key, which I like. I I do not. Yeah, I. <laughs> the only nice thing that mine has is like if I'm listening to Audible on my phone, and then I step in the car and I turn the car on, Audible starts playing in the stereo. <laughs> That's about right. it. You know. Well, see, the thing that resonated with me with this article is is with my new car. I. I I'm always used to you take the shifter, you push it all the way up. That's park. Yeah. There's a button for park now. What? Pushing the shifter all the way up actually puts it in reverse. So for the first four times I got in this car before my brain wrapped itself around this, I would just throw it up and take my foot off the brake and start to get out of the car and it would just start rolling backwards. Holy shit. (laughs) So now I press the button is ingrained in my head, but that's a design change from years. And I've been driving for how many years? And now all of a sudden I have a different way to park. Yeah. See, this is dumb. Yep. <laughs> this is really dumb. And, and the problem here is everybody's doing it differently now. Exactly. That's the thing. Like, I don't know how the, I feel, I feel like I have to pay valets a lot more now because somehow they're keeping up with all this shit. Either that or they're just yeah. banging up our cars left, right and center. Yeah. That's nuts. So it is different. I mean, it's a different thing. I don't know why you would change it when you know people are just used to this certain thing and there's no real benefit to replacing park from being a position on the shifter to a button. Um, and yeah, the the other thing being everybody is doing it slightly differently. Yeah. So it gets uh, the article starts with the cars. It gets further into it. It talks about um, product design, things like cleaning products that are made to look exactly like pop drinks. And are often stacked next to each other in in supermarkets, uh, which has caused people to die. Uh, particularly gets deep into uh, UX or user experience on hospital equipment and how that's caused some deaths because people couldn't figure out what the hell it was doing. Um, it's really interesting study into how we're basically fucking around with with uh, design and it's and making things really counterintuitive when they could be very easily. Trent Reznor again. Um, it could be very intuitive. Well, you know what? Because designers are smug little bitches and always think they're smarter than everybody else, so they have to do it their own way. Well, and it's the, it's the constant... Uh, it's a human nature to change things, um, particularly if, if the way to seem like you're doing something is to change something. Yeah. Whether it needs to be changed or not. And yep. that's that's a really unfortunate aspect of, of corporate culture. I mean, bring back steering column shifters like the old days, like my da- my granddad's Ford LTD. That's how that's how you shifted cars back in the seventies. You had a steering wheel shifter that you cranked down. And oh yeah, with that really satisfying clunk click. Yeah. Was- <laughs> yes, I love that. Tell me about it, man. Bring that back. We should get a Pono. I bet those have it. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Pono. Yes. You know what I haven't seen uh, about Pono lately? Anything? Any advertisements? 
Yeah, they, I don't think they add. They ah. adver- they advertise in like high fidelity magazine. Well, well, their stores shut down, so I guess they shouldn't be even bothering to. <laughs> yeah, it's still down. Actually, I did check on that before we started the podcast. Uh, so anyway, uh, speaking of advertisements, the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission for you foreigners mm-hmm. uh, here in the U.S., is cracking down on sponsored internet posts. So Kim Kardashian's feed is down? Uh, well, she's going to be one of the people they're going after. Because after this settlement that they, they had with Warner Brothers over all those YouTube videos for the game that came out, yeah. we covered that a couple weeks ago. Um, they're like, hey, this is we can we can get behind this. We can get some cash out of this. So, And they're saying that a hashtag or a below-the-fold description will not be good enough. You have to state it at the beginning of the advertisement uh, saying that you are being paid for this. And, you know... On on some of my other shows that I work on, we have we have already adopted that. This show is sponsored by blah blah blah. Right. You know, you ha- you say it up front because that's where that's where your bread and butter comes from. Otherwise, it's a it's it it basically it, I, I don't want to say fraud, but it's you know it's disingenuous and misleading. Yeah. So I'm not a doctor, but I play one on Twitter. <laughs> that that sort of thing. Yeah. So, so I mean, I think I think specifically Twitter, I can see this being problematic because if you've got to put a disclosure in there and you've only got 140 characters, they need to put in some sort of new symbol next to it, like a verified symbol, like a shill symbol. Well, yeah, just put a dollar, put a dollar sign emoji in front of it. Yeah, there you go. Perfect. I think that would be that'd be awesome. It's funny because I'm dealing with this with a different client right now who doesn't understand that you're actually it's kind of illegal to do this unless you disclose it. So oh, we'll send them this article. Yeah, I will. Actually, thank you for putting that in there. You're very welcome. Uh, Um, uh So I want to go to some Google Fiber news, which is really interesting. My friend is really bummed because he lives in San Jose and they were going to start running Google Fiber up there. And they said, ho, 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 hold the phone here. There have been advances in wireless technology that might uh, mean that we can give just speeds that are just as fast as our fiber, but not have to put it in the ground like savages. (laughs) So. They are uh, Google has pulled back on fiber right now, and they are they're investigating all the different wireless plans out there uh, that might be able to bring it to dozens of cities much faster and much cheaper, which is pretty cool. You know, mm-hmm. it's a lot of it is line of sight and uh, you have to study the terrain to do these kind of things. I used to have a microwave tower on top of my roof that was 50 feet tall. My neighbors <laughs> hated me for it. So, yeah, I can't imagine why. Yeah, it was pretty funny. It looked like alfalfa from Little Rascals. <laughs> if I, I think I have a photo of it. I'll dig it up and see if I can put it in the show notes. It was really obnoxious. Awesome. But it was fast. It was faster than uh, their internet back then. So suck it, neighbors. And sucker moms from hell. But anyway, good for Google on trying to, you know, if they can do this faster and cheaper, yeah. then instead of digging up the ground and putting in fiber, then more power to them. I think yeah, it's fine. Go back to their their plan to use uh, gigantic air balloons. Ah, uh, yes. Project Loon. I'm pretty sure that's still going on right now. I'm sure it is, too. Yeah. Um, Facebook. Yes. Back in the news. Uh, they're, they're, they're trying to bypass your ad blocker. They're yeah. saying, you know, the interesting thing is like over 80% of their revenue comes from mobile ads. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you figure even 15% of their revenue, if it comes from the web, that's a pretty, that's, you know, you're in the tens to hundreds of millions of dollars in lost revenue from yep. these ad blockers, even though like 20% of the users use ad blockers, that's still, you know, tens of millions of dollars. So that's worth throwing some weight behind trying to get that money back. Yep. And they said, hey, we're going to say, screw your ad blockers. Um, Good luck with that. Yep. 
Uh, <laughs> it took like, two days. Adblock uh, Plus has already defeated Facebook's new ad blocking restrictions. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. Well, of course. It's, it's just going to be an arms race. It's straight up tech. Uh, they'll figure it out. Then Facebook will find a new way to squirt it past, and then they'll figure out another way to block it. And it is, yeah, it's wacko. It's wackazuck. Yep. <laughs> I like that. We should make a game. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Adblock Plus, uh, good on you. Yep. I'm, you know, I... For sites, when I go to and I, I get the, you know, the pop up, the it's the, the sad puppy pop up, you know, it's like, we need some money. Would you please turn off your ad blocker? Most of the time, I'm just like, sure, I'll turn it off. I got no problem with it. Um, yeah. It's just the some sites will just ruin your experience. Like, uh, well, I think it was the New York. Oh, no, it was the New York Post that I left open. And yeah. I left it open for a couple minutes and I'm watching the little ticker on my ad block bar <laughs> in my. Just go. Uh, it was it was over 10,000. Because yeah. it was just sitting there, like spinning out of control, like just blocking and blocking, and they kept reloading. And then I looked at my processor. My processor is like eighty percent, and the bandwidth is off the charts. I'm like, what the hell yeah. are you trying to send me, people? No, I, I, I think uh, it must have been like two or three months ago. I, I tried to go a week without using an ad blocker, and the internet was basically unusable. I know. I still wish that there was a way to. The one thing that the ad blockers can't figure out are those overlays to join my fucking mailing list. Ugh, yes. They're everywhere because everybody has rediscovered that email works, but and they're <laughs> just going to crap on the parade and email won't work again. So you got to find something else. But yep. every time you go someplace, you scroll down like one paragraph and then the down comes the slider, sign up for my email list. Mm-hmm. And, talk, and it, here's the unfortunate part about this. All the marketing people I know, yeah, it works. Unfortunately, yeah. it fucking works. No, so, it does. Uh, there were all those sites for a long time that wouldn't even let you get in unless you signed up for their mailing list. And it works. Mm-hmm. It works. I still get mailings from them. Sometimes, even though I've tried to unsubscribe eight times, you know who you are. Yeah. Oh, God, Jason. I mean, this is a bigger issue and maybe we should do a show about it some days. But I am still I'm so pissed off at the credit cards back in the day when we could have had micropayments and micropayments could have changed the entire way we deal with the Internet. But uh, they just wouldn't let them do it. No, nope. they're like, oh, we can't do that. We Our transaction, we can't. We, how are we going to transaction uh, fees? How are we supposed to do a charge for twenty cents? You bastards! You ruined the internet. Yeah. Ah <laughs> oh, man, I, I I still wish. Uh, what was that one site that we uh, that Peter Peter Sund from uh, oh, the Pirate Bay did? Yeah, I can't remember, but obviously it didn't catch on. We don't remember. <laughs> yeah, no, and I was even running it on on my site for a long time. I made about. 30 bucks over the course of, you know, yeah, like two years. Yep. Um, man, I wish I could remember the name of it, but that really does kind of say <laughs> flatter. That's what it was. It was That's flatter. Like, yes. See, we, what we need is a ubiquitous system that everybody is involved in that could handle the credit card companies and get them to do micropayments. Facebook? Yeah, no. You gotta it's use, never going to happen. No, it's yeah. not. But give that Give that up. It's done. <laughs> Yeah, I know. And the war is done anyways. Nobody's going to pay for content. Everybody wants it to be free. So there you go. Uh, well, we'll see if it comes back. Um, hope springs eternal. <laughs> now, on a on a happy note, there was a I, I covered this on up to speed this week, but I had to bring it back for just so you could see it. So I knew that you saw this video. Uh, there's a Ugandan village that does a satire of Silicon Valley to raise money for their village and start uh, some entrepreneurial uh, ventures from the Bulimbuli district yes. in eastern uganda 
The yes. video, the video is worth the price of admission. Unfortunately, their Indiegogo is already over. So if you're listening to this, you missed the boat and you can't actually go give them any money. But uh, 420 people have raised uh, seventeen thousand dollars, seventeen thousand three hundred twenty-three dollars for them, which for 420 backers is a pretty good chunk. Yeah, and well, it's a genius video. I was, I fell out of the chair laughing. The first 3D egg printer. A chicken. That's pretty good. <laughs> chicken is also compatible with rooster. I know. <laughs> so whoever whoever produced these videos did an excellent job. So very very funny. Um, yeah, fantastic. Yeah, big kudos to these guys, and I'm glad they hit their goal. Um, oh, wait a minute. It looks like they've actually. I didn't know you could do this on Indiegogo. They've changed their date. So now there's oh, a month left. Excellent. <laughs> so if you if you feel like it, go watch the video and give them like a buck or two. I think yeah, five dollars is a is the basic one. I gave them five bucks. It's it's worth it for uh, for just just for the sheer entertainment value of this video. It's yes, worth it. It was very good. I loved it. Uh, Hulu is getting rid of its free TV service. Yeah. Yes. Uh, continue because I have something to say about this. <laughs> Eight years in, they're turning off the free service. Uh, viewers will now be required to sign up or log into its subscription service, Hulu Plus, for seven ninety nine a month, eleven ninety nine without commercials. Uh, free Hulu, however, will continue on. Uh, it is being moved to Yahoo, which is launching a new TV watching site called Yahoo View. So apparently you can still get some free TV, but not all. Uh, a lot of people are saying that because of this, the free TV. Uh, model did not work online. Uh, my take and a lot of other people's take as well is actually it worked too well and people are willing to pay for something. So they're getting rid of the free version to make sure that everybody pays for something. I just think it's fucking fantastic that Yahoo mm -hmm. is is buying the division that couldn't make money or that doesn't make <laughs> money. They're spending yes. money to buy <laughs> the unprofitable division and and roll it into their product. Um this is this is Yahoo par for the course. Let's buy the thing that doesn't make any money and make it part of our platform. If you are out there as an Internet entrepreneur at this point in time and you're trying to figure out what to do, just ask yourself, what wouldn't Yahoo do? <laughs> Seriously. Oh, man. I And, you know, I don't have an actual I don't have cable here. I'm a cord cutter. I hate that term, but um, I just I just don't want a cable box and a TV. So I might actually go for the, the $12 without commercial version of Hulu because I still can't stand those commercials. Yeah. I haven't checked out Hulu in a long time. I mean, do, do they basically have everything? They've got a lot of stuff. Um, I still have to go back and check. Last time I checked, there was nothing there that really compelled me to jump into it. So, right. Yeah. See, that's, yeah, I, I, I would love to pay. I would pay all in for any service that had everything. Yeah, it's this is the same, you know, the same kind of bull crap that was going on with like title trying to do exclusives and crap like that. No, just get license it to everyone. Let people buy into a service. I don't want to buy into eight services to be able to watch whatever is going on. That's super hip. Like I'd be pissed off if I had Hulu Plus and I couldn't have watched Stranger Things. Well, you can't because it's on Netflix. It's right. I mean, yeah, that's, so. <laughs> that's exclusive to Netflix. That's why they yeah. want you to sign. So I have two subscription services. I have Netflix and I have uh, HBO. I, I can never tell if it's Go or Now, but I think it's HBO Now. Um, uh, yeah, it's confusing as to which is which. I think HBO Go is the purely mobile thing. No, uh, no, I think HBO Go is the one that you get when you have a cable subscription. HBO Now oh, is, right, is right. the one that I pay so for. You pay straight up for. Yeah. yeah. Um, the crappy thing about HBO now is unlike HBO go, you can't share your password because it's tied to your Apple account. That's how I signed in. So <laughs> bummer. Right. Sorry. Sorry. Friends who wanted to bum my HBO. You can't, but, <laughs> um, 
yeah, you know, I've thought about doing Showtime, but I'm, I'm you know, I'm definitely not going to be doing the one to watch Star Trek, but it's just uh, I am. I'm going to watch. I'm going to pay to watch Star Trek because why not? I, I have to um, Showtime. That's a tough one for me because I really do love Homeland, but that's it. And I don't yeah. want to pay that much money for Homeland. Uh, the amazing Mr. Limpet land. <laughs> Uh, the final article I found, I just think is it's another good long form read. Um, are replicas changing the way we experience art? Replicants? A, what? I thought replicas. Oh, oh, okay. yeah. Sorry, was, not replicants. That maybe twenty years. Are replicants changing the way we experience humans? <laughs> yes. Uh, this is about the art world and precise digital reproductions, which allow more people to own and view masterpieces, minus the work's soul. It's a very long article, but I liked it, so I suggest you read it. <laughs> We'll be right back. Enjoy a word from our sponsors. Security? Ha! Okay, as you can tell, we're back here with Dave Bittner from the CyberWire podcast. Uh, We ready to dive in today, Dave? Let's do it. All right, Microsoft's golden key leak debacle that's been going around this week. Uh, What do you know about it? Well, um, you know, Microsoft uh, had built a backdoor into um, one of their systems. Um, it's a, it's a, what's happened is a, a security key has leaked that allows uh, Windows-based computers, phones and tablets to be unlocked. Um, but, uh, you know, this is the, the story about the, the, the golden key. If you have the backdoor key, uh, you can get in. And um, so the... You know, the, the, people are using this of an example of why we should not have backdoors, why backdoors are a bad idea, because backdoors always get leaked or cracked or, you know, discovered. Um, so it, it, gets, it gets cracked and leaked and discovered even when there's not a backdoor. So why make it easier? That's right. Um, so Microsoft is working diligently to try to uh, close the backdoor, which, uh, you know, the horse is out of the barn. So we'll see how it goes with that. Um, but of course, you know, people are going to be jumping all over this as, as an example, uh, for why backdoors are a bad, bad idea. And, uh, I have to say, I agree with them. Um, but I, I think the best part about this story is the actual website that they released the, the hack or the, the information about it on, uh, <laughs> it's uh, secure golden key boot. I mentioned this on up to speed this week, go there, check it out. If you're at work, turn your speakers down. If you're at home, <laughs> turn them up. Because yeah, it's, it's awesome. A, it's a wonderful trip back to the 80s. Yes. <laughs> oh. oh, I like it. I like it. All right, moving on. Data fusion companies are making files on everyone, even you. Uh, professional and private detectives have for years been able to search troves of public and non-public records and condense them into comprehensive reports costing as little as 10 bucks. Uh, now they can combine that information with all the kinds of things marketers know about you, such as which politicians you donate to, what you spend on groceries, and whether it's weird that you ate in last night to create a portrait of your life and predict your behavior. Now, this is basically everything that everybody's worried about the NSA doing, but these are private companies. Uh, IDI, a year-old company in the data fusion business, is the first to centralize and weaponize all that information. Uh, it's a Boca Raton-based company, and their service is called IDI Core. It combines public records with purchasing, demographic, and behavioral data. Uh, the CEO, Derek Dubner, says the system isn't waiting for requests from clients. It's already built a profile on every American adult, including young people. Uh, how young? That'd be interesting to know. Uh, who wouldn't be swept up in conventional databases, which only indexes transactions? Um, 
the CEO says, we have data on that 21-year-old who's living at home with mom and dad, uh, which would not normally be in any of these databases. So this is kind of creepy, but not unexpected. <laughs> it is. I think maybe weaponized is perhaps a, a strong uh, a term for this. But, but at any rate, I mean... Um yeah, their private companies are collecting all this data. Um, I saw a report earlier this year that they're um, they're actually also vacuuming up license plate numbers. Oh yeah. So you know, figuring in other words, if you park your car at the commuter lot, um, they're they're going through and and tracking license plate numbers. Um, you know, so they 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 may even know your comings and goings, your 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 schedules. You know, where if your car is routinely at a at a certain place. These private companies are vacuuming, vacuuming up that data as well. Um, and so far, there's nothing illegal about it. Th- this is a, about velocity, isn't it? I mean, I, I remember, uh, if we can again you know, talk about our, our grumpiness and our oldness, I remember when Google first put everyone's telephone numbers and addresses you know, at your fingertips for searching, and people were all up in arms because... <laughs> You know, oh my gosh, you can just go to a computer and look up someone's telephone number and and that'll automatically bring up a map to their address. Egad. <laughs> right. And and you know, it this was it was a strong emotional reaction to that. Well, we all got used to that. The world didn't end. Um Well, it did for Yellow is, Book. <laughs> so Well, yeah, good point. Good point. But this is but this is an extension of that sort of thing. This is all, you know, most of this information is something that someone if they had in, if they really wanted to, they could have gathered up manually, but it wouldn't have been practical to do so at any sort of, uh, you know, large volume. And now they can, and they are, um, and people can buy these databases. I think where it gets tricky is um, things like, obviously, you know, political inclinations, um, uh, whether or not someone is gay, uh, whether or not someone owns guns, you know, these are, this is private information that people could uh, potentially use in or say weapon kinds or, of ways, or say weaponize. <laughs> See, all right, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Boom, touché. gotcha. Touche, touche, touche. Um, so I, I think you know, privacy advocates are obviously uh, against this. Um, so we'll see where it goes. We'll see if if uh, if people introduce legislation to put some kind of limits on this. Right now, it's kind of the wild west. All right, moving on. Let's talk about Quad Rooter. Oh, Android. <laughs> yeah, so Quadrooter is a uh, a new uh, Android vulnerability. Um, well, so technically, it's, it's a uh, set of four vulnerabilities, right? And they're they're for, they're for the Quad name in Quadrooter. Um, uh, Checkpoint uh, software disclosed this recently, um, and it affects a whole bunch of Android devices who are using one of Qualcomm's Snapdragon chips. So hundreds of millions device of devices are potentially at risk, and I think. Now, now there, this will be patched. Well, three of them are already patched. There's That's one right. remaining, one big one remaining. Right, and I think really what this speaks to is, you know, one of the great things about the Android ecosystem is the diversity of the Android ecosystem, and one of the terrible things about the Android ecosystem is the diversity <laughs> yes. of the Android ecosystem. Because when Google releases a patch, then it's up to the manufacturers to distribute that patch, and of course. You know, as we know, on the Android side, people are tend to be much slower at updating their devices. The manufacturers are much slower at uh, patching their devices. Um, and of course, I'm comparing it to Apple, who controls you know the whole kit and caboodle. Yeah, when you look at adoption on a new version of iOS, it's ridiculous. Or even Mac OS 10, how fast that they're adopted because it is just built into 
it's all the same. You know, it's so easy for them to push right. it out to everybody. Android, not so much. Right, and Apple has the ability to just pester the heck out of you. Uh, when, oh yeah, <laughs> if if there is a if there is a critical security flaw, and there have been some critical security flaws on iOS recently, mm-hmm. um, and I noticed, you know, being an iPhone user, I noticed that Apple was just like, "You want to update? You want to update? You really want to update, right?" And I'm yeah. like, oh, "Yes, yeah, let's think about updating. Let's do it now." You know, <laughs> have some candy, little girl. Have some candy. <laughs> right, right, exactly. But you know, they they're in control of the whole stack, so. Um, you know, they have that advantage. Obviously, there are some other advantages of a diverse ecosystem that Android enjoys, but rapid patching is not one of them. So if you are an Android user, please uh, check this out. It's easy to look up, see if your device is affected. Uh, Hopefully, your manufacturer will have uh, the patches available quickly and you can secure your device. Yes, because Google is not patching the fourth bug for a little bit, but Qualcomm has sent the patch to all the manufacturers. So if you don't have a patch from your manufacturer, it's their fault. (laughs) There's nobody to blame but them. That's right. That's right. All right, moving on. A group of researchers presenting at DEF CON showed how they were able to overwhelm or deceive Tesla's sophisticated sensors to make a car hit an object it would normally detect in its path. Normally, the car will not move. However, when we jam the sensors, it moves, says researcher Chen Yan. It hit me. He added to the, uh, laughter from the audience. Uh, you know, people getting run over by Teslas is always funny to the DEF CON crowd. Well, and, you know, there was a story, uh, I want to say, in the past couple of months where there was a Tesla that ran into a truck that had basically, I believe the Tesla T-boned the trailer portion of an 18-wheeler. Yeah, because it was crossing the road and the, the trailer kind of matched the sky. Exactly, exactly. There wasn't enough contrast or whatever. The, whatever the, the situation was, it was the perfect set of conditions that fooled the Tesla into not seeing it. Also remember that the guy who was driving, I, I, I use that word term loosely because he wasn't driving the car, his hands were not on the wheel, and he was watching a Harry Potter DVD. So, so there's that, yeah. And according to the EULA for Tesla, your hands must remain on the wheel at all times and be, you must be ready to take over that car because otherwise you are, I mean, you are responsible for the actions of that car no matter what. So that's right. You got to keep yeah. your hands on the wheel. That came out of the, the China accident uh, yep. last week, so. So basically, these guys came up with a way of overwhelming the sensors, um, really kind of jamming them, uh, overwhelming them with noise so that the sensors really couldn't see the, the signal. Um, and so they got fooled into uh, thinking there was nothing in front of them and would run into things. That's pretty much it. And this is going to be something that Tesla is going to have to, to work on. Um, but they did uh, send their research to Tesla, and Tesla was very thankful for it and said, we are going to work on ways of mitigating this risk. And uh, so apparently the sky is not falling, they say. No, no, and and I think it's important to keep this in perspective. You know, if 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 uh, self-driving cars, you know, run over and kill ten thousand people a year, or, or you know, are responsible for the deaths of ten thousand people a year, that's I think we're still ahead 20, of the 000, curve. Then yeah. twenty twenty thousand less than what we do now. You know, about thirty thousand people die in automobile accidents uh, every year anyway. So I think we need to get rid of the notion that these cars are going to be perfect. Um, when it comes to fatalities, but they're going to be a whole lot better than where we are today. I think what it comes down to is who do we get to blame when that happens? Well, and that's a good point. Yep, that's a good point. Uh, Speaking of blame, though, let's talk about Volkswagen. (laughs) Uh, These guys just can't catch a break, I tell you. A team of researchers from uh, University of Birmingham and the German engineering firm Casper and Oswald plan to reveal two distinct vulnerabilities, they say, affect the keyless entry systems of an estimated nearly 100 million cars. 
Including mine. Yeah, and possibly including <laughs> mine, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, so uh, you know, the Volkswagen has a, a keyless entry system like every car out there today. Now, to their credit, that, that keyless entry system does use a, a, a form of encryption, but it's a very old form of encryption. This this It's about 18 years old, so... You know, that's a long time. It's, it's, it's the, the uh, encryption can now vote. That's good. <laughs> there you go. It's so it's functionally obsolete. The, the people who provided the encryption have long since deprecated it and said, you know, you shouldn't use this anymore. But Volkswagen uh, used it for a long time on a lot of vehicles. And so these researchers, researchers have figured out a pretty straightforward way to crack it. Yeah, it's, it's one of these radio attacks where you can stand outside of it and you basically, first you have to get the key fob to talk to the car. Then you capture that data and then you run that data against the, the keys that you can, in, basically that they pulled out of Volkswagen already. And then right. they can play it back and basically open the car. Now, what I'm curious is, this might be because these, some of these cars are older. What I was under the impression of is that these new keys and key fobs have chips in the actual keys that need to be in proximity to the vehicle for it to start. So yeah, maybe this is just because these are maybe older cars that are vulnerable. Like maybe they can get into it because they say new wireless hack can unlock the cars, but right. can you still steal them? That you, I think you'd probably have to do something else. That's right. And steal I, them. I, I don't believe this hack is any good for starting the car. I think this just gets you inside the car. Um, and let's, you know, again, keep it in perspective that we used to be able to get inside our cars with coat hangers. So... Yep. You know, uh, it's not like the it's not like your automobile has ever been a, a very secure place anyway. Um, but um, as in bricks, you know, bricks this, will still work to get into the car as well. That's right. I think what this offers is a way to be very discreet about getting into a car. If you can remotely unlock a car, just walk up, open the door. No one's going to look look at twice at you. All right. Moving on. We are talking about um, uh, ransomware. And uh, F-Secure is a, a well-known company in the cybersecurity realm. They recently uh, published a, a study of ransomware, and they, they made the suggestion that you should try to negotiate with the people who are, uh, who've, who've ransomed your stuff. Uh, this is a little bit of a contrary take. Most people these days are saying, uh, if you get hit by ransomware, you're just done. Don't, don't pay it. Um, you know, just cut your losses, you know, go to your backup and you should have a backup. Um, and don't try, don't even talk to the, to the, uh, ransomers because quite often they'll just take your money and they won't even bother unlocking your stuff. It's a, it's a, it's um, a crapshoot. It's a roll of the dice. It is. And F, what the point that F secure is making is that basically you have nothing to lose. Well, so, except for your money. Well, <laughs> right. But you have nothing to lose by negotiating. So if they come to you and they say, we want, you know, $500 to unlock your stuff, and you go to them and you say, you know, I'll give you 20 bucks. Um, they might say, okay. Now, typically what happens in these, these sort of things is you give them the 20 bucks and then they say, would you believe 100 bucks? And it just goes on like that and, and then you end up not getting your stuff. So... Um, you know, this is an interesting uh, sort of contrarian view. I guess if you've got the time, you know, why not try it if you've got the time and, and it's easier for you to to maybe lose a little bit of money than just go to your backup. Uh, I was going to say, how, how, how's this for a, like a negotiating tactic? You write back to them and say, hey, look, I've got a backup. It's going to take me two hours to to restore from my backup. I don't feel like doing it. I'll give you the hundred bucks. Give me my stuff back. Otherwise, go F yourself, <laughs> you know? Yeah. 
and yeah, see if and that I works. Think, I think where you start to get where it starts to get trickier with a, with some of those um, you know value propositions is if you are a large organization, if you are a hospital. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And and every minute counts. Um, uh, every minute is more important than perhaps thousands of dollars. Um, then we're then we've got a little bit of a different value proposition there. So that's yeah, I was just thinking more for the home user. Yeah, in that yeah. case. Yeah, I think I think you're right. For the home user, you're probably best off just cutting your losses and going to a backup. Uh, it's when you're a big organization that I think things might change. And I think that's who F Secure was really uh, targeting this message towards. But it's interesting in that it is not what everyone else is saying. Yeah, no, that's definitely been the the party line is don't negotiate. Don't negotiate yep. with the terrorists. Uh, moving on, a uh, story from Motherboard about um, hackers uh, making the first ever ransomware for smart thermostats. Uh, you knew it's coming. You know it's coming. I was, I was just going to say, you, you know it was inevitable. Um, and so basically what these bad guys can do is if you have a smart thermostat in your home, um, they haven't said what particular brand that they hacked because they've gone to the manufacturer to uh, help them plug the hole. But, um, you know, imagine you go away on vacation for a couple of weeks and you leave your house locked up and you have your thermostat set at some sort of reasonable level. So when you come home, it's either, you know, not too hot or not too cold. And while you're away, the bad guys take hold of your thermostat and they say, you're away for a couple of weeks and it's wintertime. We're going to shut off your thermostat and your pipes are going to freeze. Yeah. Or we're it's the summertime. We're going to shut off your thermostat, and your dog's going to die. You know, because it's going to be too hot. Or something uh, your like dog's that. already dead because the self feeding bowl has been shut down by the, <laughs> the DDoS on the feeding server. Right. Right. Well, there's that. Fluffy's already <laughs> dead. He doesn't care. That's right. That's right. If they if they were uh, ethical hackers, they would just turn the AC up to full blast and keep them cold so the house didn't smell when you came home, and you just have a really bad AC <laughs> bill. Exactly. Yes, your electric bill, which is cheaper, the the ransomware for the thermostat or the uh, the large AC bill. But um, so you know, it's a it's a yet another device that uh, yet another demonstration of the vulnerability of the IoT. And um, you know, I think people will say, well, big deal. You know, they they shut down my thermostat. I'll just run to run to the hardware store and buy a new one. Well, there are certainly situations where that might not be possible. Um, and bad things could happen. Well, the other thing about being able to hack into the thermostat is then you can see when people are home, when they're not, just from the programming on the smart thermostat. So it's a it's a yep. vector into when somebody's home and not. But it's also a place to even stash malware that can infect the network, like reinfect the network. So if right. if you you do own the machines in the house and then they clean them off, you just have this little this handy piece of malware just stuck in the back that can go out and reinfect over the, the Wi-Fi network. There's so many different ways that you can exploit. Uh, once you're in the home, there's so many different things you can do to exploit. The ransomware is just, a, I think, a pretty good, you know, just proof of concept. Yeah. But, no, it's, it's a great point, Jason, that, uh, you know, every, as, as every single one of these devices becomes a computer, that computer um, can do all those bad things. And you need to remember that it's a computer. It's, you know, we used to have these, these, uh, these devices that had one job to do, like a thermostat, you know, which used you to be an job. actual, me- used to be a mechanical device, you know, with mercury inside that would, yep. that would expand and contract with the temperature. And, and now that they're digital and now that they've got real computers inside, that computer can be a haven for uh, these bad things to get into your network. So, yeah. Yep. Okay. And to round out the things of things on the Internet that maybe shouldn't be on the Internet, the Wii Vibe 4 Plus Vibrator. Uh, this has been making the rounds, and it's just too funny because, you know, yes, people can 
actually see what's going on with your vibrator because the the Bluetooth connection between the vibrator and the smartphone app is insecure. Uh, so you can actually see when people are getting funky with it because uh, it is. So just, just to back up, let's describe you know what what this device is. This is a this it's, is it's a, a uh, you know a, a personal massage device. Yeah, no, it's a vibrator. It's not, Thank you. Yeah, no, it is the WeVibe Four Plus vibrator. Uh, and by the way, they've sold two million of these things. So this is there's a pretty good footprint out there for uh, attack surfaces, as they would say. That's right. And so this device connects to your phone and so you can control, you know, control the, the device from your phone. But as you said, the the Bluetooth uh, connection between the device and your phone is uh, not encrypted, is in the clear. So and the app is sending. Yes. And the app is sending data back to the uh, command and control server, as it were, for your vibrator, telling it uh, what the temperature is and how often it changes speeds. So it's tracking your uh, you're, you're happy, happy, fun time. And people, people can, <laughs> people can see what's going on with it. So if you have one of these devices, uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe we need to get like a little Faraday cage for it <laughs> to keep that it private. Comfortable. Yes, yeah. I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And I think it's easy to laugh at this sort of thing, but you know, this is just another one of those things that, you know, you and me, and especially if someone were a public servant or a politician or a, you know, there's all kinds of scenarios where you can see where, you know, I, I, I don't want anyone to know what my schedule is for any of these sorts of private, private things that I do with, uh, with things in the privacy of my own home. And, um, so it's easy to laugh at, but you can, you can see scenarios where this could actually become, could become a thing. Yes, it can. Yes, it can. And especially since, like I said, there are two million of them out there. That's not a small, small number. No, no, it's not. Nope. People are uh, enjoying the Internet of Things. Yes, they are. Okay. On that note, we're going to call it a day, Dave. Thank you very much for joining us. And everybody, check out the CyberWire podcast. Oh, shizzle. All right. Thanks a lot, Jason. Always a good time. I'll talk to you next week. At the library. At the library. It's a strange segment because most people don't read, yet it's one of our most popular segments because we have smart listeners. Well, it's 50-50. I get a lot of people that say, I couldn't give two shits about what books you read because those are the people that don't read. But the people that do are very excited about it. Well, and the best part is the people that do read are going to be listeners who <laughs> will be listening to us for a lot longer. You people that don't read are going to die. You're going to die? That's what a researchers at Yale University have used, uh, have discovered using data on over oh, close to 4,000 people over 50 years of age participating in a larger health study. People who read books regularly are likely to live longer than those who do not read at all. Wow. So now do they, do, they, do they count uh, dicking around on Facebook and the Internet? Because technically you're reading all day when you're online. They don't count dicking around on the Internet and Facebook, but they do count newspapers and periodicals. Okay. So if you're reading long form articles like the ones that we talk about on the show, you're going to be doing okay. And if you're just reading Jason's tweets, not so much. You hear that, people? Tweets kill. <laughs> yeah, so it's actually a real hard science that is showing that people that read uh, do tend to live longer. Now, of course, book readers tend to be college educated in higher income groups. Therefore, they're able to pay for better health care. They take care of themselves better. They're learning things about how to take care of themselves better, et cetera, et cetera. It's a, it's a none, rolling none of, none of that actually applies to me. So <laughs> I'm not a college graduate. I'm not higher, higher. I don't have higher education. Yeah, me don't have higher education. Uh, and I have crappy health insurance. So All right. Uh, well, we've got, a, we've got a running study of two. 
We'll yeah. see which one of us dies first, Jason. Because <laughs> we both read. We do both read. <laughs> All uh, right. Yes. We'll see how we'll see how this one plays out. <laughs> Whoever dies with the most stuff wins, as they say, I guess. But uh I finally, finally got through Necessary Evil by Ian Tregellis, which is the milkweed uh season con- or series conclusion. Hallelujah. Although the fact that you just said finally series. got through concerns got me. Through. That means you probably didn't like it. Here's the problem I had with it. Yes. You know, we, you talk about formulaic books like some of the other stuff we read, like Brandon Sanderson stuff. And yep. um, this to me was the same way. And I think I went from number two to number three way too fast. And I did. I needed some time in between. Yes. So every time I started it, I got like, you know, uh, maybe 20 percent in and stopped. And then had to, and then just, I'm like, okay, I'll go back to it later. I'll go back to it later. And then when I went back to it, I had to go reread that <laughs> beginning 20% again. And then I'm just like, oh, I'm sick of it again. Yeah, um, it's dense. Um, I finally, you know yeah, I-, I just powered through it. Um, but once I got to like, you know, a quarter of the way through it, I, j- I had that little barrier to get through. And then it picked back up for me and I really got back into it. And I actually really liked it. I yeah. was, I, it was a satisfying ending to a nice short series. Mm-hmm. I was, I'm, if, if there was a milkweed four, I definitely would not read it. <laughs> I'm done with it. <laughs> I'm done with the world. I'm done with the entire thing. Um, I think well, you did a very good job with it. I thought it was well-written and I thought the story was solid. It's just, man, it dragged at the beginning, but it well, was, wise, wisely good. enough. I mean, he has stated that he's done with that series. He knows it's, it reached its completion point and there's no reason to go back, which I applaud. Yes, yes. It's, yes, milkweed is deadweed. You know so. what I think I think we've learned a takeaway from our experiences with at the library over the past couple of years. Um binge reading does not work like binge watching. No, it doesn't. You really need time in between these series. Mm-hmm. Honestly. Yeah, cuz that's what I was experiencing with the uh, the laundry files. I I burned through four of them in a row and it was too much oh, and I was yeah. starting to get burned out. So Yeah. Um so, but this doesn't happen to you with Dune when you read it every year for the umpteenth time. And you read those back to back and there's like 17 of them. So Yeah, but that's different because I'm revisiting, right? Like I, I think if I read the entire Dune series for the first time, just straight through in a row, I would probably burn out on it just the same. That's so, true. That's true. You know. Yeah. You know, I'm that's why I'm kind of like, you know, trepidatious about the Gunslinger series. It's like I know I'm going to have to suffer through the first one. The first one sucks. Just yeah. do it and get it over with. But but this time around, instead of like reading them all in a row, take breaks between them. Read yeah. one, go read a couple other books, come back, read the next one. I think that it's really helpful. There, uh, yeah, you just can't binge books. It doesn't work. No, there's another series that I was uh, that David Teeter turned me on to, which is the uh, the Mauritius command. Or, I'm sorry, the um, uh, the Mauritian series. It was it's the it's the one that uh, Master and Commander was based on. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. I and I was I was starting to get into that, but unfortunately, um, Audible decided that it doesn't. Uh, they they <laughs> changed everything up, and I can't get it anymore. But uh, there, those are really good books, and okay. I read the first three back to back. You right. know, um, so I read Master and Commander, Post Captain, and the HMS Surprise back to back, which okay. are they're they're all fantastic books. But after that, I could not get to number four. You know. Okay. And especially when you think about the fact that there are 21 books in the series, <laughs> um, I just couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. Right. But so I, I think definitely in the future, we we need to really like, even if, you know, we need to have each other's back. It's like, oh, I'm going to read this. Like, no, no, no. You know, we need to have a book intervention <laughs> to say. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Uh, I used to, my, the way I used to always do it is I was always, uh, I would always switch back and forth between I'll read a nonfiction book, a fiction book, a nonfiction book, a fiction book. I might have to go back to that. 
Yeah. And that's, it's kind of what I have to do for work now. Um, right. Although I've stopped kind of reading these nonfiction books because um, you, you get burnout on those too. So I'm kind of taking a break from it. That's why I like had a little fiction binge here. Mm-hmm. I am, I, I, I'm, I'm reading the second book of the three body problem. Are series. You? You're, you're a brave man. I listened to the Adam Savage podcast and everybody agreed that it was better than the first book, like, like drastically better than the first book. And I'm like, okay. well, that's a, that's a good thing because those guys really liked the first book. And I thought it was meh, you know, <laughs> right. I'm halfway through it. I'm I'm not going to give my full conclusion yet. That will be that will be next week. But mm-hmm. for the first half, it is spectacularly better than the first book because the first book is all set up. Yeah. You know, this is what happens after. You know, it's it's like yeah. all the hard parts done. The meat of, this is the meat of the story. Yeah. So I don't have high hopes for the third one because the wrap up is always the slow one. Look at Necessary Evil. Um, but. The thing about this is I'm really enjoying the second book. Like the first book, I felt like it was a chore. Mm-hmm. It was a huge chore. The second book, I'm actually really enjoying. And it's just as smart as the first book, but I think he really got his legs under him on the second book. Okay. So uh, next week, I will have my my full and final conclusion of the uh, the second <laughs> book of The Three-Body Problem. I'll probably hold off on that a while because part of the reason it's diff- it's a difficult read is the cultural barrier. And the book I've been working through, uh, uh, <laughs> listeners know that I have not had a book for like two weeks now. It also has a cultural barrier to it. Uh, I am in the midst of The Mirage by Matt Ruff. Um, I'm going to talk about it next week. I tried to finish it last night, but I fell asleep on the couch. I, you know, I burned through Stranger Things, and I guess I'm just taking a break from books because I've done a lot of TV and things like and other media recently. I'm almost done with it. I'm, it, it was rough. Matt, <laughs> it was Matt rough. Uh, the whole, I mean, halfway through the book, I'm like, why am I reading this? And then finally, it clicked with me, and I'm loving it. So I'll have a full review next week. If anybody wants to dive into it, I will talk about it next week. The Mirage by Matt Ruff. And you can buy so. the hardcover from one cent. <laughs> oh, yeah, you can. Interesting. Yeah, think about that. <laughs> Software, apps, and gadgets. As you know, Brian, I have an iPad Pro 9.7 inch, which I adore with my iPad pencil. Mm-hmm. Um, I had bought the Apple keyboard, that little foldy one that kind of flaps on the front. Mm-hmm. Good keyboard, not great. Good, right. serviceable. I can type pretty fast on it. No Apple Pencil holder, which is really stupid. I'm sorry, <laughs> that's profoundly stupid. Okay. Um, but I've been I've been keeping my eye on this one from Logitech that came out recently called the Logitech Create. It's a backlit keyboard, and it uses the smart connector on the iPad itself to right. power the backlight on the keyboard. So it's not one of those ones that you have to charge. I've had I've had multiple ones over the years that I've had to charge. With the keyboard right. and stuff. Um, and, and it's not Bluetooth. It just plugs in and goes. That's and I, nice. I had my eye on it. It's 130 bucks. The Apple one was 150 So I'm like, oh, well, it's cheaper, but then I'm stuck with a $150 keyboard I got to get rid of. <laughs> but then Walt Mossberg came out with a review on Recode and raved about it. Okay. And and it has an iPad or a uh, pencil, Apple pencil holder. It's... It's actually a really nice case. I, I, I've got one. The interesting thing was if you go to Amazon where everybody tries to buy everything now, right. Two to three weeks to buy. Oof. And I'm like, well, let me see if Apple sells them. Sure enough. Local Apple store had them in stock. I did the online buy and pickup, mm-hmm. had it within two hours. 
So if you're looking to get one of these, definitely go to the Apple store because you're not going to get one from Amazon for a while. Um, I guess. It's a fantastic little case. It's it's a I mean, any any keyboard case is going to add weight to it. Plus, you have the pencil inside of it. Mm-hmm. But it's still it's still lighter than an air. Yes. Um, it's protected. It's got like this water resistant cover on it. That's really, really nice. It, it The texture is really like something I like. Um, okay. The keyboard is phenomenal. It's, you know, it's like a, a clicky keyboard almost. Um, mm-hmm. So it's not like that weird bubble keyboard that the other one is. Right, right. So I've been using this. This is my main go-to machine when I'm doing research for the shows, but I'm also using uh, Google Docs and Google Spreadsheets on it now that they support split screen. And I get so much more work done on this iPad than I do on my actual laptop at my desk during the day. <laughs> Because I can go sit, you know, sit downstairs with the dog or go outside or go to a um, coffee shop and not have to drag my MacBook Pro. I can just take this with me and pair it with my my phone or use local Wi-Fi. This right. is really like my go-to like hardcore email and document and work machine now. If I'm unless I'm editing audio, I can do almost everything on my iPad. It's ridiculous. Right. That's great. No, it's really come a long way. And this keyboard really, I, you know. I like it. I like it a lot. And it's backlit and has like three layers of backlighting on it. Big buttons on it. It does say Logi on the side because Logitech is now Logi. Yes. Um, But all in all, and it's got like vents for the speakers because the speakers on this thing are great. If you're watching a movie, these, these four speakers on it, solid. All in all, I mean, this iPad Pro is, is definitely my favorite iPad of the bunch uh, along with the Apple pencil and this keyboard. It is, it is, you know, I think it's, I like it better than having an air. So that's, that's, uh, that's interesting. Yeah. Cause I had airs for years mm-hmm. and I like this more just, just because you do have the iOS form factor on it. It's just, it's easy. It's easy to use and it's cheaper than an air. Right. So all right, there cool. you go. There well, you go. It, it actually might not be cheaper than an air when you count in the accessories. Let me, I, I was about, I forgot to say, about that. Yeah. I would like to see price totals. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to have to look that up because I've got a, I've got a 64 gig, uh, Wi-Fi iPad Pro with a hundred and thirty dollar case and a hundred dollar pencil, so it's okay. probably for, for, about the same. For next week's show, I want you to tally up uh, your total cost for everything that you need with just the iPad Pro versus the Air. Okay, yeah, and you know what? I you know what? I I bet the I bet the iPad is actually more expensive. You know why? Apps. Yep. Because I I definitely have had to buy apps for the uh, the iPad that I already owned for my Mac. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. Damn right. it. Oh, well, so much for that theory. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Moving uh, on. If you listen to us, we you know we're both fans of Morrissey and uh, the Smiths in general. And Morrissey is a well-known rabid vegetarian, meaning he, <laughs> he's not a rabbit vegetarian. He's a rabid vegetarian. Rabid vegetarian to yes. the point where he won't play venues if they serve meat. Are you kidding um, me? No, no. Mm. He's he's come out and said that that he's actually pulled out of some big shows because the they, the deals that they had with the vendors meant that they couldn't exclude him. So he's like, well, I'm not going to play then. So, hey, points for standing by your beliefs. Okay. You know, whatever. <laughs> Anyways. This uh, is probably why I've never seen Morrissey. He is uh, teamed up. Well, the interesting thing about this article is it says the Smiths have partnered with people for the ethical treatment of animals. Uh, the Smiths have not been a going concern for 20 some odd years. They hate each other. Yeah, <laughs> they, can't, uh, they can't reach an agreement on anything and they never will. So I think this is more Morrissey has partnered yeah. uh, to release a video game based on the Smiths song, the 1950 uh, Meet is Murder. Um, actually, that'd be 1985, not 1958. 
1985. Uh, you know, we're getting older. I Remember know. when 1991 still seems like just yesterday? It does. It does. Yeah. Uh, it's an 8-bit game that takes place in browser. This beautiful creature must die is made to look and sound like a vintage arcade game and using the record's title track, Meet His Murder, as an 8-bit score, which is funny and worth listening to in and of itself. Uh, the game is kind of messed up. Uh, users click on chickens, cows, turkeys, and pigs in four quadrants as they descend towards spinning blades of death. All while avoiding <laughs> clicking bombs. Okay. The animal rain increases rapidly as you're doing better with the goal of saving as many as possible. Uh, after mastering the game, players can save animals and, and, and the earth in real life by going vegan. Oh, okay. Here, here's, here's the funny thing. Do you remember, yes. I, uh, you, I, I assume you had an Atari 2600, right? Oh, of course I did, yeah. Uh, remember Kaboom? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. This, this sounds like uh, the, <laughs> the very disturbing version of Kaboom if you let the chicken through it. You destroy the earth. Yes. <laughs> Before it's, it's, you were just catching bombs from a criminal. Now you're actually trying to save all of humanity by uh, not letting the McNuggets be made. Yes. It, it, it's a funny, interesting uh, game worth about two seconds. Uh, you know. Okay. So what? it's actually out. You can play it. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's out right now. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, will. I mean, you know, you can play it for about 10 seconds and then you're like, what am I doing? It's actually just worth it listening to the 8-bit version of uh, Mita's Murder. So, okay. Now... Meet is Murder is my least favorite, probably, song of all time with that meh, in yes. it. Um, well, once it actually is, gets going, though, it's a beautiful, lovely melody. It's but a then the terrible are, fucking song. <laughs> yes, I know. It's very... Um, so an 8-bit version. So do they have 8-bit bleeding sheeps? <laughs> no, they just go straight into the music. Sorry. Okay. Um, yeah. oh. And finally, I found something for you. Um, that'll just make me drink as well. Pet chats. <laughs> Pet chats. Pet chats. Mm. So this is a, a built-in camera slash communication device for you and your pet. So you okay. can uh, look in on your pet throughout the day, uh, click on some video. They've even gamified it. So, you know, the it, when a certain light comes on, very Pavlovian, <coughs> excuse me, your dog can uh, click on it and get a little treat that you buy from them, of course. <clears throat> mm. And they've upped the ante a bit. Uh, they have now the paw call accessory the paw call okay which allows your dog to call you okay yeah well so, there you go jason I, and also I, low low price of almost four hundred dollars to get all this stuff and of course they have a subscription model so you can continue to get the pet chats treats pet chats scents pet chats pads and other surprises with free shipping. And by the way, everything is with a Z, not an S, throughout the entire site. So yes, not- I noticed. <laughs> um, <laughs> I would like pet chats. I would like a, I would like a device that goes around and pick up, picks up my dog's poop because she poops about the size of a horse. So if you can get me pet chats, I'm in. But pet chats, I think I'm going to pass on. I I do have, as I've mentioned before, that um, Nest camera. Yes. So I can I can see and talk to my dog through my Nest camera. Well, yeah, but, but you can't freaks, get essential oil drops to calm your dog. I'm that. sorry. It freaks her the fuck out when when I try and talk to her through a device. Even if it's sitting right in front of her, she like freaks out and starts bouncing around going, what, the, what, where, where are you? Where are you? Where are you? And starts sniffing because she can't smell me. So if the pet sense is like my own man musk that I could squirt at the dog so she thinks I'm in the room with her, maybe that's something that you could do. But... For the most part, this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. But what so are you going to do? Your dog is a luddite. My dog is definitely a luddite. 
She does not she does not like it when I'm podcasting because I'm not paying attention to her or just everything. And my dog is not going to look at a little screen of me without eating the thing. I guess that's maybe why they have the uh, Pet Chats Guard, which is a big box that you can enclose your Pet Chats in. Um, they do think of everything except for the poo. Roomba should get on that. Uh, Pumba. <laughs> Call it Pumba. Media Candy. The Rogue One official real trailer was premiered last night during the Olympics. It was the only thing worth watching about in the Olympics as far as I was concerned. I loved this trailer. I'm very excited for this movie. Of course you are. Yes, it was good. <laughs> Misa, thank you, fanboy. I am a fan. Who is a Star Wars fanboy? Like you're not. Come on. Uh, man, I, I tell you what, I, I kind of lost my luster after I went back and watched the new movie for the second time and realized, oh, it's really not all that. So yeah, I love it. And this one looks great. And it's a completely disconnected story. And it's actually supposed to involve actual war. So that'll be good. It'll be good. I, I you know what? Um, the the Kung Fu dude, I think he's from he's, is he from Ip Man? I don't know. I think I think that's what he's from. I love that guy. The guy I'm excited was, about the fact that apparently he may, and this is just a rumor, he may be an Imperial Guard that turned. Okay. Well, I don't read the rumors, but I love that guy, and I love that there's Kung Fu because you know what? We lost something when Darth Maul bought it. So maybe he turns into Darth Maul. Hmm, interesting. Yeah. Could be. Could be. Uh, probably not. Because no, nope, <laughs> timeline's wrong. Because that <laughs> timeline's was completely wrong. There you go, Jason. Uh, boy. I'm trying here, you know, I'm, I'm not that deep into it, but uh, it looked good. I, I'm going to go see it. I'm going to go see it opening day. Maybe it depends on if it's, oh, it's December. So the kids will be out of school. So eh, maybe not, <laughs> but either way, I'm definitely going to see it in 3d in a big theater, the way it was, you know, meant to be done because that is the one thing that saved the star Wars movie is it was an experience with all the people in the theater, your community, as you were talking about earlier in the show. And the with the sound and the 3d i think this is going to be a fun movie to go see in the theater for sure it'll be an event do all of that except for the 3d because i hate 3d dude star wars in 3d was excellent they did a, such a good job with it and i'm not a i'm not a huge 3d guy either like i'm sure I just, they did a good job with it i just don't like it i like my movies in 2d yeah i saw star trek in 2d and uh i maybe i should have seen it in 3d because <laughs> that might have at least upped the interesting level on it but yeah what you gonna what you're going to do, <laughs> uh, Mr. Robot this week. Um, yes. a spoiler alert for the next uh, three to four minutes. If you haven't seen this week's Mr. Robot and care, uh, skip it. Fast forward. It'll probably be more than three minutes because Jason likes to go on and on. No, I don't. Uh, the only thing I have to say about this episode is uh, spoiler start now. Fucking <laughs> Alf. I love Alf. I am a huge nerd boy for Alf. The whole first 15 minutes, including the fake commercials, which they somehow convinced USA Network to go ahead and do instead of running real commercials, was a postmodern genius. And the fact that all of the voices were original voices. They got yeah. all the original people to redo their voices. Yep. It was, Unbelievable. It was, I wasn't sure what the hell I was watching. Um, it, this is the first time that they've actually really flipped the script on me and did something super interesting that I couldn't believe that they were doing. Enjoyed it. I completely enjoyed it. And I liked how uh, throughout the episode, like, you know, it, it really, this is, you know, episode, this is episode five, I believe, right. Or six, this is uh, six, six. Yeah. yeah. Six episode five was okay. Episode four was the one that got me back into the show because mm -hmm. they really kind of, the writing on that one was good. Episode five was meh, a little bit, man. You knew that he was working on some, you know, shady stuff. Yeah. Episode six. Brilliant. I loved it. 
I, I, I hate it because it, it's changing my opinion of the show because it, they're finally getting to the point where they're writing something new. That's not yeah. just a fight club ripoff. It's like, yeah, they're, they're, they're finally going post fight club. <laughs> well, they did realize, as we said last week that, uh, well, we posited a world where we blew up the financial system, but everything is still going on as before, which would never happen. So they got to do something. <laughs> but they also, you know, they they're also going into that storyline, like, you know, how people are getting allowances and there's no food in the markets anymore. And so they are bringing that into the fold. Yeah. So slightly. very, very slightly. <laughs> they're, they're, they're giving it a passing nod. Yeah. She still got her turkey sandwich regardless. But <laughs> anyway, I did go to the URL in the fake uh, what uh, E Corp online. Yes. Commercial. And it takes me to who is Mr. Robot dot com. And I hadn't seen this before, and I checked it out. And man, this is some stuff that we used to do in the 90s. I know. This is when website development was fun. I know. And innovative, and people would spend money on it to do something interesting. I love this site. It, it's amazing. It fits exactly what it should be doing for the show. Uh, as much as you and I can crap on the show here and there for what it is, the things that they are doing uh, on the side as promotion, the VR thing that he did, which I, I haven't seen because I don't have VR, but people I've talked to said it was amazing. This website, all the extra content that they are creating around the show itself, the fact that they're spending the money on it, that they're doing something innovative and interesting god bless them no I, I totally kudos to them for that and i don't know if you stayed on the website long enough but if you if you just kind of put it in the background the old screensaver the old windows 95 screensaver comes on oh that's great <laughs> it was i mean it's i saw that and i was just like i was hooked i'm like this is so well done <laughs> the only thing that kind of gave me the creeps is i know how hard that was to make and I know yep. how many meetings they had to go through and how many approvals they had to go through and the time and effort that went into it, I respect because they got it to the point where it's still amazing and mm -hmm. it works really well. And, you know, whoever the team behind that is, my hat's off to them. If I ever see you, I will buy you a beer. Come yep. up to me and I, you did a great job. A yeah, fantastic it, I, job. It, it's it's fantastic. And it just makes me sad that that we're not doing things like that anymore because very few people respect it. Or yep. we'll pay for it. So well, that's that, the thing. We'll that pay is the for kind it, of yeah. web development and creativity <laughs> that that got me into this industry in the first place. And that's the stuff we used to make, and it was so much mm -hmm. fun. At the end of the day, you were proud of what you made. Yep. Now we tweet. <laughs> uh, so anyway, Honest Trailers did a beautiful write up of the Emmys because they're nominated for a short form Emmy. And Honest yep. Trailers guys are. I, I'm sorry, you guys are amazing. Love you. <laughs> but they talk about Mr. Robot in their write up, and I am mad at mad at myself and you because we did not come up with this they called mr robot bite club that's genius that should have been the title of one of our shows we did not come up with it though yes i know yeah. mm -hmm. um what are you gonna do i'm taking out oh apparently you're gonna delete the thing that you're supposed to roll into and go right into me so i am <laughs> in real time Thanks i'm keeping i'm keeping you on your toes <laughs> All right. So I found a new podcast. Uh, Malcolm Gladwell is doing one called Revisionist History. Uh, we both have our issues with Gladwell and uh, some of his posits and how they've been disproven. Luckily, this podcast has absolutely nothing to do about that. Um, he just finds interesting, forgotten, and misinterpreted things and talks about them. I listened to episode two, Saigon 1965, which was fan freaking tastic and got me into it also episode three the big man can't shoot which is ostensibly about will chamberlain and basketball but it's really about how good ideas never get adopted because people are stubborn a-holes it's <laughs> great podcast i'm really enjoying it it is super beyond npr 
Um, it's produced by Slate, I guess, but uh, it uh, is and, Spinopoly is is the main media company yeah. behind it. Yep, it's uh, it's NPR esque, including the you know music in the background and the pauses and the nice soothing voice, but enjoyable podcast so far. I've listened to uh, half the episodes and haven't had a bummer yet. One podcast I found this week is uh, something I'd never heard of. It's called A Phone Call from Paul, from Paul Holdengrabber. Uh, yep. Apparently a uh, you know a very smart dude. He did a two-parter with uh, Werner Herzog. Oh, okay. And uh, the first one was on Volcanoes, North Korea, and the Internet. The second one was uh, Books Every Filmmaker Should Read. Definitely recommend checking those out. Um, I've never seen a Werner Herzog movie, but I know he's supposedly <laughs> the genius of film and just this crazy guy. He's amazingly smart. I mean, yes. just listening to the show, he's just a very smart dude. He's so, a David Lynch with an encyclopedia knowledge. Yes. Basically. Yeah. yeah. And he's going to live forever because you know what he does? All he does is read. <laughs> so <laughs> he is definitely going to read. And uh, we talked about the Smith's video game. I'm sorry, the Morrissey video game a second <laughs> ago. Uh, the Stranger Things showrunners won an 8-bit video game to bridge the gap to season two. I'm in. Take my money, please. I, I would love this. Uh, yeah, I mean, again, I'm happy that, that people are adopting these kind of uh, ancillary things. I've got to be honest with you. I went through all of Stranger Things this week. Um, I loved every second of it. Mm-hmm. I think that's not what you said on Facebook you, by you were like halfway through episode two and you're like, you were kind of meh on it. Yeah. Because people change their mind when they go through the whole arc. So okay, good. I, good. I, I was annoyed halfway through because I, I was just like, this is so perfectly being targeted at me, which always bugs me, but I, I watched it all. But I personally consider that my stranger things experience has been, is complete. I, I watched the eight episodes. I love them as a single piece. I would be so thrilled if they didn't do a season two because I think it's perfect as it is. I think when they bring it back, it's going to lose its luster and what made it special. We'll see. We'll see. They're definitely bringing it back. So, it, oh, of course it, they are. It's a freaking huge phenomenon. So. Yeah, it's a juggernaut. They're, they they've got a they've got a hit on their hands, and when they get a hit, they don't let it go. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll see if these guys have have you know more uh, in the tank. Yeah, we'll see. I, I I thought it was great. If you haven't watched it yet, uh, you'll enjoy it. Go for it. Um, it. It's the 80s is so spot on. It's unbelievable. It's great. See, the fun thing that I think they should do is go with this uh, this kind of thing that they did with True Detective, where it's like a different in Fargo, where it's a different oh, yeah, story yeah. with different characters. Yes. Yeah, so if they time. do that, that's fine. If it's some sort of if it's an anthology, I, I just you, they're not. They're going to bring back the same cast. They're going to continue on the story. Yeah. I think it, these this eight episodes in and of itself perfectly done perfect story arc done walk away from it yeah it is it is they put a bow on it at the end for sure and uh (laughs) the score is out today the (laughs) volume one score 36 tracks some of which are like 15 seconds long uh 9.99 on itunes if you want to get it i'm i just kind of went through it a little bit before the show when we were talking and i think i'm gonna pass on it or you can just pull up your streaming uh, service of choice and throw on a Vangelis album. <laughs> if you can, like, auto-tune it to 8-bit. Vangelis <laughs> 8-bit auto-tune. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so there's a bit more news from media. I'm just going to run through these really quickly. Um, Sony has seemed to have pulled the plug on a Ghostbusters sequel. This Good. is the remake with all the ladies. Uh, <laughs> apparently unspectacular box office numbers and critical response, which hasn't been great, says that they're not going to do that. So Have you seen it yet? No. Okay. No. Uh, for me, I don't even want to see Ghostbusters 2 or 3 ever again. There's there's one Ghostbusters movie. Oh, come on. Movie. 2 is good. 2 is good. <laughs> Vigo! Yeah. Vigo! 
Yeah, it was all right. Uh, so then, you know, people were talking about how maybe this uh, all girl power reboot stuff isn't working, except for the fact that an all female Ocean's Eleven spinoff just got a green light. So this will be Ocean's Eight because apparently they couldn't get 11 or 12 women together. Uh, so well, it, would just Scott, con- it would confuse the franchise if you had, ocean, you know, yes. they, they've already covered those numbers, so you can't really do that. So they it was either go big or go small. So they went so small. They went small. So, so far it's Rihanna, Anne Hathaway, Helena Bonham Carter, which interests me because she's crazy, uh, Mindy Kaling and Nora Lum, who is uh, an actress and rapper that I've not heard of, are all in talks, including... The two people that are finalized are Sandra Bullock and Kate Blanchett, and there's one more person that they're going to rope in. This will be interesting. I recently, you know, they run Oceans, the Oceans movies on cable constantly. Anytime it's on, I'll just sit down and watch it. Just recently rewatched the first and second of them. They're, they're great, great movies. Yeah, they're fantastic. Yeah. I love them. Yeah, yeah. so I, I'm, I'm up for this one. I'll go see this. Not in a the theater, probably, but I'll go see it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the best thing that has ever happened to music occurred, uh, the other weekend, San Francisco has their festival called the Outlands Festival, uh, which had a bunch of bands that you may or may not like. The interesting thing was the Muppet band, Dr. Teeth and the Electric Mayhem played their first ever human music festival. The entire (laughs) video is online and it is fucking awesome. Really? It is so good. They open up with, uh, you know, the can you picture that for the Muppet movie? They cover the Beatles. They cover Edward Sharp and the Magnetic Zeros. Uh, they also end up closing with with a little help from my friends joined by the Oakland Interfaith Gospel Choir. It's a I can't recommend watching this enough. Oh, it, it that's will, good. It, it, it will warm the cockles of your cold, dead heart. <laughs> OK, I will. I'll definitely be watching that. Run of the week. All righty here. Black Panther 2016 is suing Warner Brothers for misleading Suicide Squad trailers. <laughs> this is a guy that basically drove from Scotland to London because apparently they don't have movie theaters in Scotland to go see the new Suicide Squad movie. And apparently the movie uh, did not deliver some of the scenes that were in the trailer. He's upset and he's starting a class action lawsuit against Warner Brothers. Uh, to quote William Shatner. From that old Saturday Night Live skit. <laughs> it's a movie, people. Get a life. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I actually wrote an article back in the 90s about the movie Hackers because they, their trailer did not have some of the scenes from the movie. And I called it Hackers Bait and Switch. So I can see the 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 frustration. The problem is you're you're on your own for driving from Scotland to London to go see a movie. Just, <laughs> well, there are, movie, there are movie theaters in Scotland. And... Also, get over it. Write a blog post, kvetch about it, do whatever yeah, you want to, but or, filing a lawsuit's stupid. Or join the other idiots that are that are trying to get uh, Rotten Tomatoes taken down because the because they're just an aggregator and they aggregated other people's reviews that said the movie wasn't good. Yeah. You yeah. morons. Yeah, yeah. That's why you're in uh, this segment. Yeah. So Reddit, uh, there was an ask Reddit question. People have visited the U.S. Uh, what is your what the fuck America story? Um, you just mentioned Scotland. I forgot to put this one in the notes, but I still remember it because it was very funny. Uh, it was like, I'm from Scotland and I was talking to a girl at a at a hotel and she asked me, does Scotland have any trees? What? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Here's some other choice bits that Redditors wrote in. Uh, I'm from Canada and went to a CeCe's Pizza in Florida. 
holy shit, for $5 for an all-you-can-eat buffet, which was basically a fast pass to witness a ton of gluttony that was on another level. Um, another person wrote, uh, went into a shop, they had spray on cheese. We've had that think, since the 70s, people. <laughs> I don't think the majority of Americans here know how ridiculous that sounds to the rest of the world. Spray on cheese. <laughs> Um, I visited the U.S. I'll never understand suburban young kids with huge trucks that clearly do not do, not do any manual labor. <laughs> yes, true. Well, yes, <laughs> we don't even understand that one. <laughs> uh, I was complimented on my excellent English by a girl from Ohio. I'm Canadian. She thought we all spoke German. <laughs> uh, Trump oh, for man. the win. <laughs> Trump. Now, you're the Star Wars guy, and I keep throwing in things here for you, and I found the best thing ever. This is a Darth Vader toothpick dispenser, where he reaches in his cloak and pulls out his lightsaber, which is actually a toothpick. It's clever. It's clever. It looks very well made because it has to be, because it's, you know, you're dealing with, you know, physical properties of wood. (laughs) That's what she said. Um, And it's like almost 60 bucks. That's if, a, a lot for a toothpick dispenser, considering I don't even have any toothpicks around the house at the moment. We are we are of the post-toothpick generation. <laughs> so, yes. This is not like my grandfather in the mining town in the in the 50s and 60s where they lived on toothpicks. Um, now, that, I, but it's, I cool. Will it's cool. Point, though. It's cool, though. It's cool. I will not have this any more than I'll have the Darth Vader um, toast maker that we talked about last week. I am a fanboy, but I do not cover my house with Star Wars items. They are missing out on a massive uh, subscription opportunity here. I will point out, though, uh, the it is a beautiful looking dispenser, but they should also sell a subscription to get red toothpicks. Yes, it, black, because, and, black and red toothpicks. Yes. Yes, because, uh, you know, his lightsaber is red, not uh, wood. <laughs> Darth Vader does not have wood. <laughs> oh, man, there's the title. <laughs> Uh, okay. Uh, last week I talked about scientists discovering a new state of water. Uh, this week we've discovered a new type of fire. Fire! <laughs> this is uh, funny. I almost put this in the show notes, but I'm glad you picked it up on me. Did you really? I'm hoping for a new type of earth next week so we can complete our Earth, Wind, and Fire trilogy. <laughs> oh, nice one. Yeah, see what I did there? Uh, researchers at the University of Maryland's A. James Clark School of Engineering discovered a new type of fire, tornado. They've dubbed the Blue Whirl. Since it lacks the distinctive yellow color of traditional flames, which actually will make them useful, apparently. The yellow color of a flame comes from glowing soot particles that weren't able to completely burn away due to insufficient oxygen. A blue flame indicates there's enough oxygen for complete combustion to occur, which means there's less soot and pollutants being released in the process. The theory being they can use this for things like oil spills in the ocean to burn it out without creating additional debris. Uh, well, the, the, it. <laughs> You do know the etymology of the blue flamers, right? No. Okay. Well, it's technically lighting a fart on fire. So ah. scientists have discovered what we knew at camp in the 70s. So See, good, I good was, for them. I was reading, not lighting farts on fire. The web's not dead! It's not. Now, Jason, you're the photography guy. I, I'm not too big on it, but uh, every now and then there's something that uh, that speaks to me and catches my eye. And this is one of those things. There's this uh, this fellow, Frank Hallam Day, 
who's a photographer. Uh-huh. And uh, he started visiting Bangkok in 2012 and walked by a phone booth and started to, it just caught his eye. And he would start to take photographs of them. He's been doing annual trips to the city ever since. And uh, basically how they are starting to disappear and being kind of uh, subsumed into the urban landscape, being used as storage spaces uh, for people selling things on the street, all that sort of thing. Um, just these, these photos are just beautiful. And the idea of it being a decaying technology is kind of really attractive as well to me, obviously. But uh, this is a fantastic little project. And these photos really kind of speak to me. Okay, cool. this this is really annoying because you know what? I went to mm. Bangkok in 2009. Mm-hmm. I probably have a hundred photos of phone booths in Bangkok, and I just didn't make a project out of it. And this well, guy gets all the press, so maybe <laughs> I should revisit some of my old photos. But I don't plan on going back to Bangkok anytime. But these are these are these are gorgeous shots. Mm-hmm. Very good job. I can tell he's using a wide angle and some Lightroom to to fix them. But yeah, it's good. These are good shots. Yeah, Definitely, worth- I really enjoy it. You can now get a mini fedora for your man bun. Oh, no. This is a thing. There are no words for this whatsoever. Uh, Apparently, it's happening in Seattle in particular. Go figure. Yes. So there's a little mini fedora sitting on the top of this guy's man bun. Oh, my God. I'm looking at the photo right now. And it just uh, makes you want to slap the shit out of them. I have no I have no fucking words for this. (laughs) <laughs> yeah now let's uh let's move i want to be willie i do have words i just came up with some words i want to be william tell with bad aim when i look <laughs> at this <laughs> i want to yeah. shoot this off of his head but just aim about six inches lower fair enough uh let's now move our hipster hipster uh microscope from seattle and pivot over to brooklyn okay the other major epicenter there is a youtube show about building ikea furniture on drugs Oh, yeah. This has been coming through my Twitter. I have not seen this yet, where they drop acid and put Ikea furniture together. Yeah, various types of drugs. That's the whole, I guess, every episode should probably be dedicated to one type of drug. Um, it's, it's a Brooklyn hipster guy named uh, Hunter Fine and Alex Taylor um, who have just put this together as a show to which I say, isn't that illegal? Closing shout out. I have a shout out to Hope Solo and Team USA who are currently, well, literally currently, I'm missing the game right now. It's 1-1 tie, United States, Sweden, uh, doing playing in the, the Olympic soccer team, uh, particularly to Hope Solo, who is by far, hands down, the best female goalie that basically has ever existed. Um, I want to point out the double standard that she gets for basically being kind of a dick. Uh, she's not a particularly nice person. Um, she says stupid things and she pisses people off and... We're totally okay with that with our male athletes that are the best in the world. We're not so okay with it with Hope Solo, which I think is complete and utter bullshit. Well, she only gets paid half of what the males get, so, you know, well, that's why that she's pissed well. off. <laughs> yes, uh, but she's been playing very well in the Olympics, uh, even though <laughs> every time that she touches the ball, she gets booed by the entire crowd because Hope Solo being Hope Solo, on July 22nd, she uh, Instagrammed a picture of herself covered with a basically a beekeeper's mask and holding a big thing of insect repellent saying, uh, I'm not sharing this, get your own hashtag Zika proof. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so I personally like her sense of humor, but uh, you know, yeah, no, it is, uh, it, it is right in line with what we do here. <laughs> <laughs> so good on you. Hope solo. You are the best in the world and uh, to hell with all the haters. Yep. Hate be damned. Haters be damned. 
Um, I'm going to throw a shout out to myself. Uh, check out Up to Speed every week on uh, the Grumpy Old Geeks Podcast Network because it is a pain in the ass to make, and I hope somebody listens to it. It's 10 minutes of tech news every day from Monday through Thursday, and uh, it'll just get you... Uh, I, I Here's what I do. I try and not cover the major news stories. I try to cover the stuff that's interesting, that you can talk about to people, and that make you kind of feel or sound smarter. Everybody else has seen all the other stuff that's out there, so this is this is trying to get you to be the guy in the room who has the novel knowledge. Let's just say that. Okay. Sound good? Wake up to Jason in the morning. Yeah. And uh, if you are wondering about the show titles, that's just, we use the song of the day because Brian came up with that on our first episode, and it stuck because coming up with show titles is hard when you're trying yes. to do it daily. I'm already doing that once a week, goddammit. I can't do it seven times. Or five, or however many times we're doing things. Well, I came up with this week, so fight me. That's true. Thanks for listening. I'm Jason DeFilippo. You can follow me on Twitter at JPDef. And I'm Brian Schillmeister, and you can follow me on Twitter at SlenderFunks. Grumpy Old Geeks is a partially fan-supported show. Check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash GOG. We really appreciate your support. If you don't want to or can't donate but still want to support the show, please go to grumpyoldgeeks.com slash iTunes and leave us a few words and five stars or tell a friend about the show. And also go to grumpyoldgeeks.com and leave us some feedback or ask us some questions. We had nothing this week, people. It was a desert out there. So come on, talk to us. Intro music for the show is provided by the band Among Us. You can find them on iTunes, Spotify, and Apple Music. Or you can donate through the Grumpy Old Geeks Patreon page at patreon.com slash GOG to get 10 exclusive tracks. Outro music for the show is provided by Andy Stachansky. You can follow Andy at twitter.com slash houseofandy, and he's also on SoundCloud at grumpyoldgeeks.com slash Andy. Show notes for all the links discussed in this episode can be found at grumpyoldgeeks.com slash 172. The bad breath is strong with this one. (laughs) 